Good morning and happy new year. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at FBC at Family Bible Church, and I am so thankful that you joined us this morning. Last week, we gathered the day after Christmas and had a phenomenal look-back service. It was great to have a conversation with both Nick and John to talk about where we've been and, and some of the things that we have learned and some of the things that we have left behind. I want to say thank you to so many people who have taken time uh, last Sunday to share some of their own thoughts, some of the things that they've learned. It was a really great conversation. And as I was thinking about this look-back service and thinking about the service today, Today is a true gift. It's a gift to our staff and to our volunteers. I so appreciate all the effort and work and prayers and just extra everything that the team has put in to allow our church to really grow, to uh, minister in these last number of years. And so today is a real gift. And so I want to say thank you to everyone who volunteers. Our staff, our, our volunteers who serve in our children's ministries and nurseries, our safety, our greeters and our ushers, our tech teams, and so many others who do the work around the church. And so today, I'm just thankful that we can be together in this way and just take a breather as we begin this new year. Now, as we begin this new year, I'm very thankful that we can have this opportunity, although a screen separated us today, to talk about this new year to talk about where we're going, to talk about a question that maybe you've considered but you've not yet articulated yet. You can expect often from the first sermon of a new year of a message filled with hope and new beginnings and vision and direction and goal and all sorts of aspirations for the year and rah, rah, let's go conquer the world type of mentality. Now there may be some of these things there today as we discuss but ultimately, my prayer as we consider what we're talking about here today and we move into 2022, that we would move toward God and toward others. Now, in light of that, though, it takes what we've learned from this last year to consider where we're going and how we're moving into this new year. Last week, I mentioned that COVID has radically shaped our lives in so many different ways that we have seen and noticed and have yet to understand. For as much as I desire, for as much as you desire to be done with COVID and to return to normal or move into a new normal, the reality is, is that our world is still impacted by COVID. And no matter how much you may believe or act like everything is over and quote unquote normal, we're still impacted. And this coming year will be impacted by it too. Even today, with the gift of giving staff and volunteers a Sunday off to be with family, and for us to meet in this way, COVID had an impact on our decision today to meet virtually. And whether you realize it or not, the time we're living in right now is a world history changing moment and season. And it's more significant than we can possibly imagine. Generations will look back on this time that we're living through to learn how we walk through this time. To read about and to understand what we did and how we did that. We're living in a moment where culture is shifting in a lot of different ways. And when I say the word culture, I don't mean culture and then there's a church. No, church is part of culture. We are part of what is going on in our world. And so as we think about how wars have impacted time, the printing press, the internet, automobiles, we are all being significantly impacted by this season in our world will as well. When we look close at the church Studies showed within the first four months of the pandemic, 
that one-third of practicing Christians stopped attending church at all, completely stopped attending church. And this still seems to be the trend, even today, two years into this. And studies are showing that churches in the United States are somewhere around 60 to 70% of pre-COVID attendance. And you may wonder about our own church. What is FBC at? Well, the, the national average is somewhere between 60 and 70% of pre-COVID attendance. We are at about 76 this fall percent of our pre-COVID numbers. So we have been impacted by this, obviously, just as much as the world has. Now, this missing one-third of the congregation here and congregation in the United States is becoming quickly a new evangelism field. This is a new opportunity for us to share faith, to re-evangelize, to remind of the good news and the focus of community. This is why when you walk into our sanctuary, you see our tree with the light bulbs that we've had on there. In years past when we've had that, it has simply been first-time commitments to following Jesus. But we've quickly realized the importance of rededication, the importance of people who have walked away from Jesus or, or even walked away from the church of rededicating their lives and following Jesus again. And so we want to celebrate that, not only the first time salvation, but rededications to Christ. But what about the other two-thirds? What happened to the other two-thirds in this time, and what's happening? Well, studies show that a third of the people have disappeared. A third of the people are wavering right now, asking that question of, am I in or am I out? Is church worth it? Am I a better person? Are is my family a better family because I'm a part of the church or because I'm out of the church? And the average monthly attendance for one of these families is, is about 1.5 times per month as they make this decision. But then there's another third. And this third is a third who is more committed than ever. This third is serving more is discipling and being discipled, who's plugging into communities. This third is giving more, being a part of what God is doing in their life personally and corporately. And there has never been a time where they've been as deeply involved. And so today, who I'm speaking to is, is really everyone, but especially the two-thirds, those who are wavering and those who are more committed than ever. Now, if you're in that first group of you've just checked out and you've stumbled upon us, I want you to continue to listen too because you may benefit from some of this. But I really want to speak to these other two-thirds here today. And this is a question I want to pose to you. This is a thought I want to pose to you today as we begin this new year. You may feel like in 2020, you felt like that was the hardest year of your life with lockdowns and the political climate and the social climate. And you're like, that was the hardest year. Then 2021 came along and you're like, no, never mind. This is the hardest year of my life. But what if, what if 2022 is actually the hardest year of your life? What if things are more difficult in 2022 than they were in 2021 and in 2020? Now at this moment, some of you may be just like, I'm gone, I'm checking out. And wherever the counters are on Facebook and YouTube, the numbers may be dropping at this moment. But I want you to stick with me. And to consider this, what if 2022 holds unforeseen challenges and hardships that we've not yet seen? Do you have it in you to persevere? Can you mentally and emotionally and spiritually even go there right now as I say these words? Are you exhausted from the possibility of even considering that? 
Did I create a new worry or a new fear in your heart and mind? But let me pose maybe an even more important question. Of not not only what if things are harder, but if things are harder, what does it take to be faithful in the midst of hard times? What is it that God is calling you to personally and for those around you? Last week in first service, Kai stood up and she shared about how she didn't know if she had it in her to lead through the pandemic. And she mentioned that I, too, have had that question. I have, and I still do. And I think we all ask that question of where I'm called to, my family, my school, wherever it is, my workplace, do I have it in us to persevere? But let me tell you this. Something that I encouraged the staff with early on is that God put them in a particular place and a particular time in history, here and now, because God knew what was gonna happen. And God wanted them to walk along. And this is the same thing that's true about your school and your workplace and your neighborhood and your family. God could have placed you in the scope of human history anywhere, but you're here now in the place that God has called you to be. And so God is calling us to ongoing and continual faithfulness no matter what's happening or unfolding around us. What would it take to be faithful? What does it take to be faithful continuing to move forward? Well, Jesus spoke to his disciples about challenges they were facing and hardships that they were facing in their lifetime. In Matthew 24, he was talking about not only the challenges that were currently happening, but challenges that would come into the future. And in Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13, he said this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So in our faithfulness, what does it take for our love not to grow cold? What will it take for our, us to stand firm to the very end? If you have a Bible in front of you, I invite you to turn to the book of Revelation. Wow, I took a big jump into the future here, right? To the book of Revelation, chapter two. John is on the Isle of Patmos in prison, and Jesus is revealing things to John that he's to write and record for us to know. And before we get to chapter two, I want to read one verse that I think is essential whenever we look into the book of Revelation. It's from chapter one, verse three, and it says this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So may we today, as we read these words, and as we hear these words, be blessed because of the word given. Now in chapter 2, these are a number of chapters that are speaking specifically to seven different churches. And we can learn from one, specifically here, the church at Ephesus, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Hear these words. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. And I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. So this is a compliment to the church. Way to go, church at Ephesus. Way to go, the body of Christ at Ephesus. 
You have good deeds and hard work, and you've persevered. You've not made space for wicked people. You've tested. You've endured hardship, and you've not grown weary, although I guarantee they had felt this. Good job. Verse 4 comes along, and it says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So here's a church who has persevered, who has done good things, who have really been an exemplary church, but they have lost their first love. And as we consider this next year and that it may be harder than the previous year, the thing that will determine whether or not we're faithful, I believe, is whether or not we embrace our first love and whether or not we're standing firm, faithful to this first love. And so I want to give you three words to take into this year with you. Is first, remember. The first word is remember. Remember your first love. Jesus said in Revelation that you have forsaken the love you had at first. To forsake is to abandon or to desert. Do you remember when you first met Jesus? You would do anything to be with Jesus. To be with others who knew Jesus, to, to grow in your faith, to worship God, to pray, to be in the word, to consume it. And I love the energy and excitement of new Christians. I love the energy and excitement of those who have recommitted their life. Sometimes we treat them like puppy dogs of like, oh, you'll grow up one day. But why? Why do we not have that energy and excitement, that first love that they're experiencing? We become stuck and stale and stalled. And if I'm stuck or staled or stalled or you are in this moment or any other moment in history, I would wonder if any of these things are true about me or about you. That you have allowed faith to become an intellectual exercise. If you're stalled or stuck or stale, maybe faith has become an intellectual exercise where you're like, I need to go deeper, meaning I just want more knowledge so that I can be smarter about this and have more intelligent conversations. Or maybe you're stuck and stale and stalled because you're not sharing the gospel with anyone. See, if we're stuck or stale or stalled and not sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus, we need to get around new believers because we need to be energized by those who are experiencing Jesus for the first time. We need to be spending time with our one. They have not yet made that commitment to Christ, but we're spending time with them, inserting Jesus into the conversation, finding ways to share our faith. It is energizing and restoring and to be able to disciple young believers. This will move us from stuck or staled or stall to remind us of our first love. Or maybe... We've forgotten what we're saved from and what we're saved for. That we need to be reminded that we are saved from an eternal punishment, separation from God. And that we're saved for full and everlasting joy. As the psalmist wrote these words, I love this from Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures in your right hand. This is the remembrance that we're called to. Our love draws, grows cold when it becomes intellectual or we're not sharing our faith or we forget 
what we're saved from, or what we're saved for. So for our love to be warm and exploding is that this joy in the presence of God, the pleasures at his right hands. So first we remember our first love. The second thing I want to encourage us with is to repent. Repent means to turn and to go a different direction. To acknowledge where I was. I was cold. I was stale. I was stalled. I lost my first love. I'm not standing firm in the faith. And so it's impacting me. And I'm terrified that a bad year ahead of me will completely ruin me or cause me to walk away from my faith. It's acknowledging and saying those things and not experiencing guilt or shame because of that, but rather going to Jesus. In Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Not approach with shame and guilt, but approach with confidence, ready to receive all the mercy and all the grace that God has for us, giving him all our shame and all our guilt. He's calling us to himself So when we repent, we go and we receive that, and we turn and we go a different direction. It's embracing the mindset of Christ, defined by humility before God and others. We repent and we go a new way. So we remember, we remember what that first love was like, and we repent, and then we return. Guilt and shame will cause you to move away from God, to move away from the church, to move away from other believers. But there's a beautiful story in Scripture of the prodigal sons. The one son essentially told his father he wished he was dead, and he took his money, and he ran away, and he lived his life how he wanted. And he was covered with guilt and shame, but yet he chose to return. He chose to repent. And the father ran to the son. And this is what God does with us is you are never too far away from him. Your love is never too cold. You have, if you have collapsed and not stood firm in the faith, God is there welcoming you back, drawing him to himself. But we can't do this alone. We cannot be isolated from one another. As we wrap up, I want to I give you some final thoughts of What do I do with this? How do I further this? How do I keep this love strong and stand firm in the faith? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. We're starting there. It says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Can't say this enough. God is faithful. His promises are true. And our response to the promises of God and his faithfulness is to to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Other translations say this, to, to hold tightly without wavering, to hold fast, to hold resolutely, to hold firmly. This is what we're called to. And the author continues by saying, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. Now this verse has been one of our guiding verses since March of 2020. We need one another. We must move toward each other just as we've been doing the last couple years, continuing to meet together. 
Now you may be thinking, interesting, Chris. You're talking to me with a screen separating us. Yes, I see the irony of this comment in this verse. But I love how God placed this verse on my heart this week. Because you're right. You're sitting in your house or your car or somewhere else, and you're not sitting in a building. But this is a challenge for us to consider what the author meant. God desires for us to be part of a community, to be known by others. And small environments are the best place for this to take. In communities, small communities is where we spur one another on. In small communities is where we encourage one another. See, community is not formed by simply sitting in this room. By coming in and saying hello to someone as you walk in or you walk out. Listening to me talk on a Sunday morning, that's not how community is formed. At least intentional community. There is so much more maturity and connection in what God desires for you and for me than just sitting in this room. And so again, we're encouraging you to move toward a smaller community. This will help your love not grow cold. It will spur you on where you will not fall faint because there's others around you. And I hope even this morning that you're sitting with others, that you've invited someone into your house or that you've invited another family in or, or wherever it may be or you may be with your own family. It's about drawing toward one another. So often what we do is we wait to be invited instead of asking others to join us. We want to spur on and encourage one another in community, in the large community when we're gathered, yes, but even more so in these smaller environments. So of course, we're going to continue to meet on Sundays. Of course, we're going to continue to gather here. Just as it says, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another also in our smaller communities. So not in a community, you don't know anyone, you don't know who to ask, who to invite. We've been for the last number of weeks and you're gonna hear at the end of this message about our rooted communities. I cannot encourage you enough to connect into one of our rooted communities, whether you already have an established group and you're saying we wanna do this or whether you're on your own saying plug me in somewhere, we will do this and you'll hear more about this at the end of this message. Looking beyond even these communities is that I have a dream and a desire to see more one-on-one -on -one discipleship opportunities, more of this mentoring, and hopefully this fall we'll see some of this as we'll be running some test groups early this year. Opportunities to serve one another and especially to reach your one. Especially to reach your one. Who's your one? Who's that person you're praying for and you're intentionally investing in? See, we have no idea what 2022 holds. We may have this wish of like, hey, the calendar year has changed. Everything's gonna be better. But as we know from this last year, that's not true. And this year may be harder than the previous two. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my son, Evan. And I may have shared this before, but Evan does not like storms. And when a storm comes along, he'll often pray that the storm would go away. And I've encouraged that prayer, but I've also said, buddy, what if this storm does not pass? What if this storm is here and you pray and pray and pray and the storm doesn't go away? 
Are you just going to be discouraged? Or is there a different way to pray? And so what we've started talking about is, is praying in, to the one and for his faith and his strength to be increased as he looks at the storm and he's in the middle of it. So of course, yes, we want to pray for the things that are happening around us and the storms we feel all around us in our community and in our world and our families. Yes, pray for those. But pray that God will give us a heart of perseverance, a, a heart to stand firm, that our love would continue to grow in warmth, that we wouldn't grow cold and bitter. See, we have a God who is faithful, whose promises are true, who knows you, who deeply loves you, and desires for not only you to know him, but others to know him as well. So therefore, in 2022, my prayer is that we would be a people who remember our first love, who repent from whatever it is, and we return to the God who loves us, who has a plan, who knows you by name, who desires that relationship. So may our love not grow cold. May we return to our first love, Jesus. And as we wrap up this service in this time and as we move into this next year, I'm gonna encourage you to do two things. So in just a moment, I encourage you to listen to the words of this song. This is a prayer of blessing. And I pray that you would not only pray it, but you would receive it as a blessing over your life, over your family's life, over wherever you walk. That would be something that you would receive. And so maybe in your home, you just open your hands, you, you sing along, whatever it may be, that you just receive this blessing and you cry this out as a prayer of blessing as well. And then after announcements, that you would turn to those in the space that you're in and that you would share where you're at. What fears or hesitations you have about 2022? What hopes you have? And also, has your love for God drawn cold? Are you standing firm in the faith? I encourage you to be open with one another, to share with one another, and then if, not if, that you would pray with each other. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May you receive these words as a prayer of blessing. Numbers 6, 22 through 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. This is a, an amazing verse of blessing. And it's a great way for us to look into 2022 with this thought in mind that the Lord would bless us, that he would keep us, he would turn his face upon us. And as Chris read that verse last Sunday at the end of service, I just felt that we need to sing this over our church. But there's something that we need to understand before we sing this song. When God blessed the Israelites, it finishes here with this final verse. It says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So this is not a blessing that was given to be a possession. 
It's not something that the Israelites were supposed to hoard or hold on to. They were blessed in order to bless those around them. They were blessed in order to give God glory. And we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are called to do the same. Whether or not you believe it, you are blessed. We as a nation have been blessed. We as a church have been blessed. Are we hoarding it? Are we holding onto it? Are we saying this blessing is our possession? Or are we saying my name, God's name, is on this blessing? And we're giving him the glory. You see, this blessing that we receive should be given to the world as well. It's not something to hold on to. It's something to release and bless others with. So as we sing this song and close our service this morning, accept these words. Let them wash over you. Maybe close your eyes and don't even sing along. And be blessed. But also, I encourage you to take this song and turn it into something that you can bless others with. That you're accepting the blessings of God, but you're extending them to this world that so desperately needs to know of the blessings of the Lord. Come before you and behind you and 
enjoyed our virtual services this morning. Now remember to do what Pastor Chris said. Don't let this be the end of our service today, but continue to have a conversation afterwards. But before you go, we want to let you know about a couple things. Number one, if you'd like to give to FBC, you can give on our website, www.familybible.church. You can also give on the church app, the church center app, or if you'd like to mail it in or deliver it in person this week, you can. The church offices are closed tomorrow, but you can come in on Tuesday through Thursday of this week and drop off your offering that way. Now, he mentioned Rooted quite a few times in his message, and we want to make sure that you know what Rooted is. So let's watch this quick clip. So now that you know what Rooted is, we want to encourage you to sign up to be in a community. If you're already in a small group, we encourage your small group to go ahead and do this study for the next 10 weeks once we start it. If you're not in a community, go to our website, familybible.church backslash Rooted, or click the Rooted Communities link on the front page, and you'll be able to sign up for a community there. And what we'd also like you to do is consider being a facilitator of a community. If that's something you feel that you can do in the facilitator training, it actually says, we don't want you to teach. We just want you to shepherd. So you don't have to have this feeling of, I don't know what I'm gonna do as a facilitator because we're gonna give you all the training that you need. You can sign up on the same website there. 
We want you to mark your calendars right now though for a rooted event. January 16th at 4 p.m. So pull out your phone, pull out your paper calendar, write it on your hand with Sharpie so you don't forget whatever it is. January 16th at 4 p.m. will be the kickoff event for Rooted. And we are asking all communities, all facilitators to be there for this event. Again, January 16th at 4 p.m. This is a kickoff event. We're gonna have refreshments and games and also a time for your communities to break off and figure out, hey, when can we meet? Where do we wanna meet? Uh, maybe you don't even know each other at this point and it's an opportunity to share a little bit of life with each other. So this is a vital event for Rooted. We highly encourage you to be at this event on January 16th at 4 p.m. So please mark your calendars, make sure that you are available on that Sunday. So we just wanna say again, thank you for joining us this morning and feel free at this point in time to have that conversation. Maybe you need to break off into smaller groups in your family and just do it one-on-one -on -one here, but have an honest conversation with each other about what pastor shared this morning. Thank you.